Words are powerful, aren't they? Words are powerful, and uh, we spend a lot of our time dealing with words, particularly in our faith. You know, we read the words in the Bible, we speak words of prayer, we read the words of people on our book cart over there. Quick plug for the book cart, you should check out a book. Um, but uh, you know what's more powerful than words, actually, is images, right? Pictures. It's true, pictures are worth a thousand words. Um, just a quick illustration, because I can't talk about images and pictures without using the whiteboard, so I'm going to try this real quick, and uh, I'm going to do a little, a little uh, drawing here. I'm going to draw a quick quick image, and it's going to evoke some response from you, some feelings, right? Right? Very easy. Two little lines, and all of a sudden, you had a reaction. You had a feeling, because that image means something to you, right? So uh, here's another one um, for all you Eagles fans out there. So if I drew this, right? Some negative reactions from some of you guys who are Eagles fans out there. You know, I, sp I lived some years in Texas, so, you know, I understand the, the rivalry there. Um, oh, and actually, you know, we, we spend a lot of our time communicating with images now, um, more so than we did 10, 20, 30 years ago, right? So how many of you uh, have ever communicated with someone using this image, right? The emojis. Why are so emojis so big? Like, it's like a whole code, and I don't even understand. Like, Elisa and I will send emojis to our kids, and they'll be like, Mom, Dad, you don't understand what that emoji means. You can't do the purple devil horn guy because that means something. Like, like, I don't know. I just picked it because it looked funny. But, um, but then if I change this, right, if I change this image to that, oh, that means something totally different, right? Like, how powerful are images? So we've been talking for the last, I don't know, uh, four or five weeks here about the art of noticing, uh, noticing what? Noticing the Spirit. When the Spirit is working, when the Spirit is communicating, when the Spirit is moving, and, and our job as followers of Jesus is to notice when the Spirit is moving and doing those things. Um, and so we've talked about it from a lot of different angles, but I wanted to talk today about what we do to respond. When we do hear the Spirit, when we do receive something that, that feels like, wow, that was really God speaking to me or God showing me something or God communicating to me through His Spirit, how do we respond? What do we do when we respond? And, um, and I think uh, I'm going to start with uh, Revelation, which is not a typical place that we start because I think too many of us are scared of Revelation. But I just want to start at the very beginning because in the first chapter, John is sort of describing uh, all the conditions and circumstances under which he's t writing this, this book. But it's not really writing, is it? It's not really the words in Revelation that are the key thing, right? It's the images. It's the imagery. Because here's what he says in the first chapter. John says, on the Lord's day, now he had already said that he is in prison on the Isle of Patmos for his work for the Lord, right? So we know that he's been exiled because of his uh, uh, work to serve Jesus. So he's sort of on this isle, on this island in exile, and he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. So we can sort of interpret that to mean that he was praying, he was meditating, he was he was engaging in some intentional activity to communicate with the Spirit. Right. So the way we do that in our lives is again we pray, or some of us will meditate, some of us will have times of silence, or those kinds of things. So I don't want it to be like too mystical 
and too mysterious. Because it's the same kind of thing that you and I do as followers of Jesus. So when he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, he heard. And then he talks about all the things that he heard. And later he says, and then I saw. And he describes what he saw. And over and over and over again, throughout the book of Revelation, that's what he says. He says, well, I, then I heard this. And then I saw that. And I looked. And I saw this. And then I, I heard this thing. And I turned. And then I saw this thing, right? And he, he had this, this image, this vision, that, that God was communicating to him. So again, it may seem unusual. It may seem like, well, that's okay for John. But that's not what happens to the rest of us. But, you know, it also happened to Peter in the book of Acts. Uh, Peter went up on the roof to pray, it says in Acts 10. And when he went up on the roof to pray, he uh, kind of fell into a trance. And he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet coming down to earth by its four corners. And then the story goes on and explains what that means. And he has this vision. But then the cool thing is he has to go and tell people. He says, wait a minute, God showed me this vision and it means something. So what does it mean? So he he tells other people about it. Um, And then we even have in the Old Testament... Of course, in the book of Daniel, uh, many of you know some of the stories from the early bits of Daniel uh, about uh, Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel and the lion's den and some of those kinds of things. But once we get through chapter 6, we, we get uh, more kind of vision-type language here because Daniel also has a dream and a vision. It says, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. And the rest of the book of Daniel is about these visions or these dreams. So I want to demystify this a little bit because, again, um, we, we are so heavily focused on words that sometimes we forget that God can speak to us through images, pictures, imagery. And it's, it's okay. It's normal. It's not weird and mystical. It is part of the way we are wired, actually. Um, one thing that's interesting I read this week as I was looking at this, um, I, I liked the way this person said it, that uh, we are all born bilingual. We're born bilingual. And the two languages are... Um, uh, basically images and uh, verbal, right? So we, we verbalize and we have imagery. Those are our two languages. Even tiny babies, they be, even though they don't know the language yet of words, they, they start to babble and they're verbal, right? So they start to verbalize and that's one way. But images and pictures are also a really important thing. And if you think about children, children draw a lot of pictures and they communicate through images. And then what do we do in school? We train that out of them. And then we say, no, grown-ups don't use crayons. Grown-ups use a pen and paper and we write words, right? We don't use the images. But that's not always the best, most powerful way. As I explained earlier, images can be super communicative and super powerful, right? So um, I think it's important to understand that when the Spirit speaks, that many people respond or want to respond or their gut instinct would be to respond through some creative expression. And maybe it's drawing pictures, right? Maybe there's a visual imagery there. But, but I have a friend who, who responds to the Spirit. When the Spirit speaks to her, she dances, Right? Like that's something that some people are wired to do, right? Or you can respond to the Spirit through, through other creative endeavors. Maybe it's, maybe it's poetry. Maybe it is words, but it's sort of a creative uh, way to use those words. Um, maybe it's music. We had some, some music up here, uh, and, and clearly the, the music is more than just the words and the notes. There's something else that happens when that happens. So these creative expressions are really important when we respond to the Spirit. The Spirit speaks and we respond. Now, visions, uh, as I just talked to you about through Scripture, visions are pretty common in Scripture. 
um, and throughout Christian history, too. Um, we have lots of record of, of people throughout Christian history who received visions and communicated those. Uh, one of my favorites uh, is uh, a, a woman named Hildegard of Bingen. Uh, Hildegard is somebody who's fairly uh, commonly talked about in my particular field in, in music, music history, because uh, she's the first female composer uh, who we have on record. There may have been others, but we actually have her music preserved today. She was a mystic, uh, lived in Germany in the 11th, 12th century, and she received visions from God, and sometimes she would write music, but she also was a, a pretty good artist as well, and, and you can find pictures, images of her uh, creating these visual representations of the images that God gave her, right? So we have this in, in the scriptures, we have this throughout Christian history, people using images, and then, just to set you at ease, it's not unusual for people to think in images instead of words. In fact, 60% roughly of the population thinks in images. Um, as I'm saying words, pictures are popping into your head. If I say something like a cabin in the woods, most of you are not thinking C-A-B-I-N-I-N-T-H-E, right? Most of you are you imagine it, you picture it, you see it. And some of you, it may be a vague or fuzzy picture, but for some of you, it may be vivid. You may hear the sounds of the woods. You may hear a stream nearby. You may see the smoke billowing out of the, the chimney on the smokestack or of, of the cabin, right? It may be a really vivid image. A lot of us think in images. And if that's true, if it's in the scriptures and it's in Christian history, and uh, if, if we think in images, then, then how come sometimes we're so nervous or reluctant to express our faith in images or to say, well, God gave me this image, right? And then we're going to talk about that today. Here's the important thing. I'm going to wrap up this intro and then I'm going to bring a friend up here on stage and we're going to chat a little bit. Um, the important thing is that when we respond to the Spirit in authentic ways, in other words, the way we're wired, that's when we are transformed and that's when we encourage other people, right? Whether it's dance or drawing or poetry or music or whatever, when we feel that the Spirit has spoken to us and we respond in authentic ways, the ways we're wired, we can encourage the body of Christ and we can be transformed and we can all grow together. And that's really, really cool. Um, so I'm going to bring Lori up. Come on up, Lori. Um, Lori, is, many of you know Lori, and uh, she's going to share with us a little bit of the way that she has recently been expressing what the Spirit has been telling her. Um, and, and yeah, I'll just let, let, let our conversation go from there. So we're going to sit down and have a little conversation here. And let me get you this one. This is one. Number one, I think, for Lori. Is that working? I don't know. Is it working? No. I can get another one. How about now? There oh, we go. There we go. All right. Excellent. Great. So, um, so Lori. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to give you a chance to sort of just talk a little bit about how you have been. You know what? We're going to just get to a blank screen. See all those people here. Yeah, I can do that. All right. So, the reason I brought Lori up here is because. Um, Recently, she has found a way to express what God has been speaking to her through, through drawing. And I, I think that that's, that's not really, it didn't start with the drawing, right? I mean, because you've always sort of felt like 
God has given you pictures in your mind. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, I was going to talk about how this kind of started. And it, it started about with, I feel like, I, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking it kind of started with two foundational things that are a part of my personality and then one situational thing. And so the two foundational things were one is color. I love color. Color has always been something that has brought me joy and rejuvenated me and inspired me. So for instance, when I walk through a museum, an art museum, or when I even walk through nature and see landscapes or the color of nature, or flowers, all of that has been very, very inspirational to me all of my life. I've always loved color. And so I've always loved um, coloring and painting and drawing and um, just the act of creating. I've always loved that. It's something that's always been hardwired into me ever since I was a kid. And then the second piece of foundational was that sometimes I pray in images. Now, I have a vivid imagination like you were talking about just now. And anytime I hear a story, read a book, listen to a sermon, listen to a song, I get a really vivid image in my mind. It's, it's almost like a movie and it plays in my head. And that has always been as well. Just a feature of my weird self. And, um, but as I was growing up in the church, well, sort of the church, I didn't really grow up in the church, but that's another thing. Um, I was taught that prayer was talking to God. Um, however, I noticed in my personality that there were times, especially if I was distraught or having some kind of deep emotion, that I didn't always have a word for that. I couldn't always explain that in words. And so I thought that during those times, I could not pray because I couldn't put them into words. And so eventually, though, as I grew, I realized that Jesus didn't need me to explain anything to him. He already knew. He already knew what I was talking about. He already knew what I felt. He already knew what had gone on and preceded the situation. He already knew. Um, and all he wanted was for me to be with him and to sit with him, even in the moments when I didn't have words. And, um, and then eventually I realized that I could hold the image or the movie in my head and that could become a prayer. And sometimes I would even receive movies or images in that prayer time and it felt like communication. However, I never told a soul, <laughs> never. <laughs> I was over 50 years old, and I had never told a soul that that is how I prayed because I was embarrassed that I prayed that way because I thought it was wrong. I thought it was unexplainable and um, definitely like not something I could share with other people. So that's the two foundational things. And then the situational thing was the worldwide pandemic. Okay. That's the situation. We were all in lockdown. And I, at the time, was working with families experiencing homelessness in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. So it was so stressful. And I needed a place for that stress to live outside of my body. 
I just, I couldn't hold it. I couldn't, um, it was just, it was, it was making me stay up at night. It was making, it was rattling around inside of me. It was causing my blood pressure to go up. It was, it was, um, it was just causing chaos in my emotions and in my, in my, in my life. And so, you know, I said, I have to do something with the materials that I already have on hand because I couldn't go anywhere, you know, I, you, I couldn't buy anything new. And so I just looked around my house and I found an old planner with old dates that I had never, you know, used. And I just started scribbling in it. And I started, um, I took out some old colored pencils and I just started drawing, just whatever came to my mind. And I just was using it as a stress relief, basically. And then one day I asked him, I asked myself, what would happen if I tried to draw the images that came to me when I was praying, the same way I was always praying? What would happen? And then we were having Birch Church at the time. You know what Birch Church is? When we do all of church on, on Zoom, right? We were all doing Birch Church. And so what would happen is during Birch Church, somebody would start talking, like Dwayne or Sabrina or Keith, and I would start drawing whatever it was that I just came to in my mind. Cool. So that's kind of the, the story arc of that. Yeah, I, I love, so a couple of questions that come to mind from that. So many of us who've known you for a while, even though you say you didn't really tell anybody that that's how you prayed, we, we noticed that when you prayed with words, often you were describing some, some sort of image, and it was always so beautiful, and that was such an encouragement to us. So it's really neat that you've sort of found that. The, the other question that I kind of have, just a um, little question, you're not, like, trained as an artist, right? So, no. so all this idea of, like, hey, I want to draw, I want to color, I want to doodle, it's not because you have been trained that way, right? No. This is just you. I actually wanted to go to art school when yeah. I was... 18 but my dad <laughs> said no <laughs> so, yeah. um, okay. so I never I've never gone to any kind of art school or so so as you've as you've begun to explore this so now have you started sort of drawing what you're you're sensing in your mind during Birch Church um, what what were some of the obstacles that came up for you to like really truly express this well the first obstacle basically was being embarrassed um, about this weird thing that no one knew I was doing um, I didn't know what it was. I didn't have a word for it. I didn't know anybody else who did it. And, you know, I've always known that I'm a weird person. And I've had to always embrace that about myself. Otherwise, what, you know, what other choice do I have, right? But that was really weird. And um, it wasn't enough that I prayed weird but now I'm doing this draw, this weird drawing thing, and so that's a that's a big obstacle. That was a big obstacle. Um, but on the other side of that, some of the uh, visuals and the images I was seeing were so beautiful to me, and so inspiring to me. And I felt like, because I'm not a trained artist, I can't really capture well or or bright the um, the picture that I have. So when you see my uh, picture that I drew a minute ago, even if you think it's a good picture, it is not what I pictured in my mind. What I pictured in my mind is so much better, prettier. Um, and so I just don't have the artistic ability to capture um, what I'm seeing. And so that kind of makes me doubt myself, like, 
who wants to see this picture? Like, you know, that's weird. And lastly, the last barrier was that this is tender for me. Um, here, I'm trying to convey something that is vulnerable and deeply true. Um, ideas, feelings, memories that I don't always have words for. And um, like I said, this is a way for me to make images, feelings, emotions, stress live outside my body, a place for it to be. Um, so it's not causing chaos inside of myself. Um, but, you know, trying to explain a, a picture to you could take a thousand words. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> as, as you've been now doing this for a little while, um, I, I'm really appreciative of the fact that you, you did build up the courage to get over some of those obstacles and some of that embarrassment because I remember the first time you shared with me a picture um, that came from something that I was speaking about and it was really beautiful and it was meaningful to me um, to just see that that was your response. So what, what has been the response as you've started to share more? Because I know you have. You've started showing some people your pictures and you've started to talk about it more, which is awesome. What has been the response of, of the community or of the people in your life? This response has been surprising to me, actually. So lots of times we think that the value of creating art is for the outcome. It's because of what the artist is going to produce. Um, and sometimes we think that art is not valuable if we can't make money at it. Or if it doesn't have a practical use, like you know, jewelry or potter pottery. Or if it doesn't come out the way we picture it in our head. And, or even if it's not worthy of showing it to other people, like you just throw it in the trash. Like I do a lot of mine. Um, the other thing that um, we use art for a lot is to represent something outside of ourselves, such as an illustration in a children's book, or when I drew um, when I drew um, pictures for the play, you know, the paintings I made for the play. That was not something that came from me. That was I was doing it for someone else. Um, but I'm learning in this process that art, for me, is about the process much like what Sabrina was talking about yet last week. Um, so I see God in the times. Um, oh, you wanted me to talk about, sorry. Okay. You wanted me to talk about the response. The response has been really surprising. At first, I started showing just a very small handful of very trusted friends my uh, drawings because, like I said, it's tender. And um, everyone that I showed them to did encourage me and say that that really encouraged them that I showed it to them. And um, they encouraged me to keep doing it. And the more people I showed, the more positive responses I kept getting. Um, and that has caused me to be curious, like, is there something to this? Is um, this for other people somehow? Is the message of hope and love that I received just for me? Or is it for someone else too? And I, am I supposed to share it? Because sometimes when I'm drawing, I picture a person that I, I care about and that I want to pray about. And I'll just start drawing a picture. And that picture becomes a prayer for that person. It comes like a meditation for that person. And that's when I want to share it. 
Like if I've been if I've been praying for let's say Dwayne for example, uh, um, I want to share with Dwayne my picture that I, sh- I pray for. I because I want to encourage him and I want to know, I want him to know I spent some dedicated time praying for you. Um, and um, that has been the times that I've shared. Yeah. You know, just when I, you know, not something super public, just like yeah. individually. Well, that's and that's great that you're receiving such a positive response from that because I've heard you say a few times that this is very tender it's very vulnerable for you so that's I really appreciate that Um, but it also seems like and you've mentioned a little bit of thing a few things that that are related to this you've also it seems like you're sort of leaning in a little bit and sort of cultivating this and and helping this particular aspect of your faith grow a little bit can you Mm -hmm. and and this may apply to anybody whether it's drawing or any sort of any other sort of expression what are the ways that you've leaned in to sort of cultivate this particular thing I read a book recently by Shauna Nequist that's called, I guess I haven't learned this yet. I guess I haven't learned that yet. And she has a quote of, um, she doesn't wait for inspiration to come. She gets herself in the path of inspiration. She puts herself in the path of inspiration. And so I thought to myself, that's what I'm going to do too. I'm going to put myself in the path of inspiration. I'm going to actually sit down and start praying and and try to do this every single day. Um, so I purchased an actual sketch pad because, you know, I told you I started off with a little planner, you know, that I had found around my house. So I actually purchased a sketch pad that was for, col- purchased some good colored pencils, and now I practice trying to draw a drawing every single day, no matter what the outcome is. Um, and sometimes they really stink, and I, rich, I rip them up and I throw them away, and Sometimes I've, lear- I've learned that I can edit them because it's colored pencil. Okay. So if I decide I get a better idea, just like if I was writing a novel, you know, I wanted to edit it, I could come back and edit it and I could make it, I can rework something. Um, and that's been inspirational. And sometimes um, I'm really proud and delighted and surprised as to what, what it looks like. Um, and then I write on the back of the paper what I was thinking while I was drawing it so I don't forget because then I might forget that's true. Um, yeah, and that's great. why you often see me carrying around my sketchbook and my paper pencils, because I want to yeah. put myself in the path of inspiration. Yeah. Well, I, I think you've um, brought some things to share with us and kind of yeah. point out some, some, some things in these pictures. And you guys may want to see some of the things that Lori's done. So this is very, very exciting. Again, it's very vulnerable for her, so I really appreciate your bravery in doing this. She's brought three pictures um, that we're going to kind of talk about. And I hope, I don't think we're in the way, but if, if we are, tell us. And then, all right, so here's, here's the first one. Okay, Why don't so you this, tell us about this one? This is an example of an early drawing. Um, and this is uh, during a sermon. And I wonder if you would know what Bible story this is. Does anybody know? Anybody tell? Five yep, five loaves and two fish. That's exactly right. And so this is... Um, a sermon that Dwayne um, preached, and he talked about bringing what we have to God and then and bringing it to Jesus and letting Jesus multiply it, and that's what that was all supposed to be about. And when I started drawing this, I started drawing a basket with five fish, you know, the, the, the five loaves and the three fish, two fish, and I just thought, I didn't, I didn't plan the part about the the fish and the loaves coming out the top, but that's that's what developed when I was drawing it. 
And uh, so I sh that's one of the reasons why this is meaningful to me is because this is one of the first pictures I shared with anybody else. Mm -hmm. I shared it with uh, Dwayne, and he said, wow, I can't believe that. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, that's, that was an, that's an early one. Again, and so I, I think I remember what you telling me is just this, this beautiful color that's coming out of the top is the idea that you bring what you have to God and then that's what he does with it. Like he multiplies and spreads it and it's just sort of this beautiful explosion of, of beauty and color. Right. Which I just, I love that. That's really, really neat. Um, all right. So let's see. I lost my connection here. Let's try one more time. If you're back there, maybe just go to the next slide. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so this is a more recent picture. And this is what I wrote on the back of my paper. Stuck. This is called Stuck. The kingdom of God is a beautiful scene with faraway vistas, mountains, green valleys, and still living water. There is a path for us even if we don't see where it is going. But I am in the jars. I feel shoved in and stuck. The jars are expectations, past decisions, my responsibilities and my limitations. And all of these things make me feel frustrated and lost and without options. So that, that was a, a day that I was, I t that's exactly how I was feeling. I was feeling stuck that day. And that is how I represented it. Yeah, and so you're there inside not just one jar, but three jars yeah, sort of stacked four inside. Jars there. Four jars I'm in the very bottom. That's oh, me at yeah. the very bottom, okay. stuck in the jar, looking oh, out. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then you want to go on to the next one. And the Let's next one the is next the kind of a continuation. So a few days later, I, I went back to the jars picture and drew another picture. And this is the picture I drew. And I said, the worst part about the jars and feeling stuck is that from inside the jar... My view is distorted. Everything seems sideways and glary. The path looks rocky. The waters seem churny and dark. The green pastures seem farther away and the mountains closer and higher. And I can't see the vistas or even the right next step. I have to have faith to believe that there is more than what I can see from my distorted view, that maybe what I perceive is not the whole story. You know what I love about these two pictures, and you showed me these before. Go, go back one slide to the first one, and then you can kind of see the vivid color, and then go ahead to the next one, and that's from inside, and that's just such a cool, cool picture. And it's all, it's all how you're feeling in that moment, right? And yeah. it's sort of like God speaking yeah. to you. The Spirit some is speaking. Some of them are not nice. Like yeah. Some of them are kind of sad, because when I'm feeling depressed or whatever, I have like some sad, dark, dark pictures. And then yeah. there's other ones that are nice, and when I'm feeling hopeful or whatever, then I can feel, and I draw a hopeful picture, like, like you know, the sun coming out on the side of a tree, yeah. you know, and feel hopeful that day. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I just, again, I think this is really, really beautiful. And thank you so much, Lori, for sharing. Like, can we all say thanks to Lori? Thank you so much. Thanks again. I just think that is so beautiful, um, just that you were willing to share with us, first of all. But, but the idea that 
when the Spirit speaks, we respond, and we can respond in any number of ways, in beautiful, creative ways. But the important thing is that we respond, right? The important thing is that we don't just sort of ignore anything the Spirit might be telling us or, or just sort of let it go away, right? Um, so my challenge, my encouragement to all of you today, and the reason I brought Lori up here was, was not really about Lori. It was, in part, but it was about you. It was about trying to encourage all of you guys to, to find a way to let the Spirit uh, come out and, and for you to express your response to the Spirit. Um, again, images are powerful. Drawings, uh, they can contain so much meaning, but if, if spreadsheets are your jam, then maybe you create a spreadsheet when you, I don't know, like there's, there are other ways that the Spirit can manifest in you. You don't have to be an artist. I want to reinforce what she said there. This is not about being an artist or a poet or a musician. It is about being um, a creative soul because we are. We are made in God's image and God is the ultimate creator. And so we are creative beings, but it's about you just making something that is a response to what the Spirit is, is telling you or showing you or where the Spirit is leading you, okay? Um, so that's it. That's all I had for you today is just to sort of uh, enjoy that. Uh, we're finishing up this series on the art of noticing, uh, and hopefully now if you notice the Spirit and you engage with the Spirit and you pray and connect with the Spirit, then now you can respond with the Spirit, uh, respond to the Spirit in some, in some way. So let's pray together, uh, and then we'll celebrate communion together. Jesus, we are so grateful that you are um, a creative God, that you are a communicative God who wants us to interact with you, who wants us to not only pray to you with words, but to receive from you words and pictures and images and drawings and dance and art and music and all of it. I want to ask that you would give us all what we need to, to take the time, first of all, to hear you, spend time with you, and to receive what you have for us. But I also want to pray that, that you would give us what we need to express that, to respond in a real and tangible way whether it's through art or writing or drawing or whatever it is, that we would be able to, to, to express what, what it is that you're sharing with us. I pray for my friends here uh, at Life Path as we grow and as we journey towards you and alongside one another, that we would encourage each other to express ourselves authentically, vulnerably, and the ways that we are wired. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.